0: The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Now. This new, a la carte digital service lets you watch contemporary art house and classic films from the extensive Kino Lorber Library, including over 50 New York Film Festival alums. Start watching today at kinonow.com. Welcome
1: to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rippold and I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. Every year at the New York Film Festival, Film Comment brings together a group of intrepid filmmakers whose work is screening in the festival. It's a rare chance to share stories about the art, craft, and angst of filmmaking and to compare notes on inspirations and what makes a good collaboration. For the latest edition, I spoke with an all-star lineup of filmmakers from across the festival. Pietro Marcello, director of Martin Eden, Fernelio Purumboyu, director of The Whistlers, Justine Trier, director of Sibyl, and from the Projections program, Okasua Adama Owusu, director of Pellerino, They Don't Really Care About Us, and Louise Donshin, director of Entire Days Together. One quick note, both Pietro Marcello and Justine Triet used translators in their responses. Let's go now to the discussion, recorded live at Film at Lincoln Center. Thank you, Rachel. Welcome. Well, thank you first all of you for for joining our panel. Um, I thought we could just begin um, in a way where you know some of you might might begin in your thoughts when you're kind of drawing inspiration for for making films, and uh, I, I, you know each one of us has movies or directors that we return to uh, repeatedly for for either inspiration or, or uh, some sort of you know something to shoot for um, or just something that's entirely different that you just need entertainment from um, but I'm curious uh, if we could talk about what's a filmmaker or, or, or a film that, that you keep returning to for some reason that kind of energizes you uh, It's
2: c'est une question difficile parce que c'est vrai que on a plein enfin moi j'ai l'impression qu'on est c'est difficile d'avoir juste un un papa ou une maman enfin well that's a hard
3: question because it's true that you know it's hard to say that we have just one mom or one dad in cinema. There's there's lots of people, but Maybe there are some filmmakers that I always return to. And as cliche as it may sound, I always return to John Cassavetes or James L. Brooks. And each time I re-watch one of their movies, I'm always surprised because I never know whether I'm going to see a comedy or a drama. I never know exactly what I'm going to find. And maybe there's also Hitchcock. But I'm always surprised, for instance, when I watch uh, Terms of Endearment or other James L. Brooks movies, I don't know whether it's going to be a comedy or a drama. Do you want to jump in, Adam, or
4: Sure. Should I just dive yeah, in? Yeah, dive, dive in. in. All right. Well, yeah, you know, to respond to your question, um, I want to say, you know, filmmakers who inspire me would be Apisha um, Pong or Usman Senben, right? Black girl, of course, you know? Even just being in a space like at the Film Society, you know, Film at Lincoln Center. I know you changed the name, Film right. at Lincoln Center. <laughs> but, you know, just, um, you know, these films uh sort of inspired me or informed my practice in early on in my career as a filmmaker um i a lot of my films have been inspired from fables from ghana west africa where my parents are from and um you know my films are about the collision of identities and sort of um how do we sort of return to our past and sort of bring that into the present and i feel like the moving image or filmmaking or the moving image form has been being my primary medium of choice Um, how do i sort of uh, insert myself in this tradition of african storytelling through this um, medium that i've inherited as an american born from my uh, parents' country of Ghana in America, in this time and space, sort of bringing the past into the present in film. And so I want to say that these two filmmakers, Uswan and Ben, or Apisha Pong, would probably like the, be the two yeah. key filmmakers um, that sort of um, inspire me in this time. Yeah, yeah.
1: We, we already have a, a, a very impressive range of, 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 of filmmakers, which are all, all very, very great. Yeah, um, yeah.
5: Um, Pietro, do you have uh, Pasolini, perhaps? for me it's, it's, I'm cinephile for from background then but I think I have not model just because uh, <laughs> Robert Presson saying on the bible note from cinematographer is important to have not model yeah uh, on okay. cinema I, no but I, maybe I bring with me on the art many films maybe so many I used to study european cinema soviet cinema less american cinema and then, uh, what I can say? I love cinema, but I think it's important for a filmmaker to have not model, yeah. not model. Just because I don't like the idea to be to have influence by others. Just maybe when I work, it's important to have a method. There is, for Italian people, there is Rossellini, and that's it. There is all me as it's, a it's just model for to make film.
1: And and, I mean, I guess part of the problem is that each time you're trying to kind of invent a new approach or invent a new way of framing things, and um, that conveniently maybe brings us to both of you, I guess, a bit in terms of your films, um, Luisa uh, and Cornelio. Um, I mean, you're, you're often working kind of hybrid forms or Um, making genres kind of smash up against each other in in some way. Um, um, Cornelio, I mean, are are, are there filmmakers that you admire um, who kind of do, because it's pretty unpredictable from one film to the next what you're doing. Uh, The Whistlers is a film that draws upon film noir a bit, um, but it it turns it into a kind of puzzle uh, even even more. I I wonder if you could talk a bit about that uh, area of film history
6: uh there are a lot of yeah there are, there are a lot of directors that i like uh, i could start with no, chaplin buster kitten there is a film that i'm watching from time to time and i like it a lot it's full moon in paris oh full oh, moon in paris uh, yeah. and eric romer it's a movie that i'm returning like yeah quite a lot i like to see it again and again afterwards it's I don't know it's uh, Antonioni uh, there are a lot of directors here yeah. Yeah. Um, after that when I'm making a film uh, depends on uh, mostly I'm thinking about what I want to say and uh, uh, the core of the film and after that I'm I'm looking uh, I'm trying to find the way that I will say it and there there I'm quite quite free you know yeah. i will uh, i will go to see movies from genre movies the case or not uh, but i'm quite uh, open with that
1: yeah well you have a, a reference to gilda obviously in in in, uh, in your latest right
6: or... uh, noir I, I saw a lot of noirs yeah. classical noirs which it was interesting because i haven't seen them for a long time from my first years in school so i when i get back to all these films it was also a Certain type of nostalgia, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that it it's it, it feels in my film,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, Louisa, is there any place for or are you of the no models school as well? <laughs>
7: um, yeah, I was thinking about your question, and I guess I, I made a decision to not talk about inspiration but about films, <laughs> sure. um, no, because. Well, yeah, when I think about uh, films that I re-watch again and again, it's not for working, but it's really for enjoying them and for watching mm-hmm. them. And and there are no filmmakers, but there are certain films. So um, And there's few filmmakers, of course, that have more than one film that I like. But yeah. um, when I re-watch films, um, depending on the mood I'm in, it's um, films like... Um, Mouchette or it's Beau um, Travail, or it's um, the Dream Path. So they're like very different yeah. films that I can live again and again yeah. watching them.
1: Yeah, and and um, those are, I mean, the Dream Path. It's a film that almost kind of assembles itself as you're watching it. It's it's a very very interesting film. Um, I mean. I'm kind of started very big picture from starting far away, but to get to kind of the nitty-gritty of filmmaking and and what it takes to put a movie together um, I wonder if we could talk about the the people you work with on your films and if you have collaborations that you keep returning to um, Because often I know that's that's kind of a through line um, uh, For example Cornelio uh, you you work with uh, I guess with your, with your partner Arancha Echeverría, um, who
6: who does my the wife? Of, yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. She we speak a lot. I uh, when I make a when I have a subject. I uh, I told her about an idea about a film about the subject and all. Um, she's a visual artist and all. In the same time, she we are speaking about her work too. So yeah, it's uh, it's home. Uh, uh, after that I work yeah I, I, the actors I have actors that I work in a few films with them but uh, also the DOP which I'm working with I think it's the fourth project that we are doing together um, there's a few, the the editor of my films uh, we work for a for long time, yeah, there are yeah. a few people.
1: Yeah, and do you, do you have kind of developed a kind of language, that a shorthand that you can work with, with with them now?
6: They trust me, and they listen to me, so.
1: <laughs> That's good. I guess when they stop listening, then <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, Any other? And um, you, um, Pietro, you work uh, with Maurizio uh, as a screenwriter. Could you talk about that collaboration a bit?
5: I work with Maurizio by a long time, maybe. 20 years now, just because, also about Martin Eden, he gave to me 20 years old, after 20 years we decided to make Martin Eden together. And then I, I like the idea to work always with the same people, with the same team, but also about the photography of the film, I'm DOP, I like to, to, to put the end everywhere, on the editing, uh, on the scenario, and then, but it's important to, to grow up together if you have a team, yes, because all the time is better together. And then I work with my same crew by seven years now. And then for me, it's, it's, it's the most important thing to be together. Also because I'm producer for this reason, I like to have under control all the process, what I do. And, and just a kind of follow-up question on that. I mean you've
1: you've you've uh, changed in a way the the type of film you've made like the current film Martin martinine is a, is a different it's a larger production than has that changed the way you work with your team or, or people you work with or
5: about the, the my my crew, crew is always the same team but about martin it is it's, it's it's different budget it's not like uh, the mouth of the wolf uh belle perduta is completely different i prefer small film because it's more simple to have under control the film about Martin Eden. There was there was big troop, and then was a it was a, a bit different okay. for me just because it was complicated for me to share the production part and uh, and, uh, direct, and directing part. But anyway, what was important for me was what. I did learn on the past about the documentary to improve, to improve on the on the right. set, um, and my fortune was to, to, to have on the on the back, mm-hmm. behind the documentary, the technician of documentary. Right. And what I think we made always the same film. And then, right. yeah, I, I used to work over Martinin and State of Grace with 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 my team. Mm-hmm. So you were drawing on the skills of
1: improvising, improvisation that you learned yeah, from documentary. Th- th- yeah, because
5: I cannot believe on the, on script because there is always the transposition. Yeah. And then it's, it's incomplete opera for me just because what yeah. I think at home when uh, I'm with Maurizio to play for Scenario is completely different when I decide to, to, to make a film just because we it's, it's, it's easy to have problems about location, about actors and everything. Yeah, yeah, for me, I love the alchemical part. Of the set.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I want to get back to the improvising idea because I think that that'll be something I'm very curious to hear from everyone about. Um, but just on the on the level of collaboration, um, for, uh, for 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 Louisa, Louisa, do you have a a cinematographer, for example? You work very closely with Helena Whitman. If you could talk a bit about that.
7: Um, Yeah, I guess that's the situation that I'm very happy about, that I work with um, two artists, I would say. We um, all studied together at the Art University in Hamburg and uh, one of them, which is uh, the closest um, collaborator, is Helena Wittmann, who's a filmmaker herself. And uh, yeah, she uh, worked as DOP on my last two films. And um, yeah, we will go on like that, at least for the next one. And uh, the other one is Nika Breithaupt, who is. Um, um musician and uh but she's also doing um set sound uh recorders or how do you say that yeah. and uh, and the sound design which is uh incredibly luxury <laughs> because um yeah you have um those people who are like doing one thing of course like in the center but they are able to think about the whole rest uh, at the same time and they are not really like technical cracks i would say but i'm neither so it's um that's not the point it's um that like for the sound for example um like with the new film i'm working with nika already in the process of the script writing she's already doing um recordings so i can because there are parts of the film where i really need the sound before the picture. So, um, and then she's on set, and she knows the whole situation. And then she's doing the sound design um, at the end, which is uh, yeah, um, I really enjoy that um, situation.
1: Yeah, now it seems like a great collaboration. Um, Adama, do you have? Are you one one yes. one woman band or no? Yeah,
4: <laughs> no. Um, I want to no. Yeah, I know. I'm never one. I try to be, yeah. but I'm not. <laughs> no. But I want to say the um, people who I collaborate with the most. Um, would be my sound designers or sound. You know, I work mostly, um, I divide my time between narrative fiction and experimental uh, film where I'm shooting, sometimes I'm shooting primarily on Super 8 film and it's just me and my camera and I'm shooting and collecting and hoarding sounds. So I want to say the people who I collaborate the most with would be my sound designers, who I went to school with at the California Institute of the Arts. Um, I work with them because they kind of understand my process of making work. I'm all over the place. A lot of the times I just don't know, you know, so I'm just like, like hoarding with my zoom recorder and recording um, these sounds but they understand that language or that so, you know i think it's it's so important you know um for me as a filmmaker um to sort of um you know filmmaking is a marriage right it's sort of like you kind of have to have someone who can vibe with you and kind of understand you know the right. process and um control is so important for me it's always been uh, important for me um and it took like over a decade to sort of build that that sense of confidence to, to as a cinematographer, to shoot, you know, because I shoot primarily on film or Super 8, I allow sort of, um, you know, that the ideas to emerge. And I, I love that language that I've developed over time in this with the same people, you know. And, and um, so I work uh, closely with Carrie Ray Seekins, um, Nathan Rule. They're my two primary um, collaborators who I work with from film to film, whether it's Fictional narrative or experimental film.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, And uh, justine you also have a bit of a you have a documentary uh, Start you so I wonder how that's affected you know the team you've worked with and also if you want to talk about Improvisation I, I want I'm curious for you if also having that documentary experience affected how you ended up making fiction features
2: We um. oui, C'est vrai que. En tout cas j'aime bien m'entourer de gens qui sont pas forcément tous du, qui viennent pas tous du milieu du cinéma
3: so I, I like to surround myself with people who are not necessarily from the cinema world for instance um, with my scripts I trust people to read them and give me fee- feedback who are not from the film work film world and I know that what they say to me will have a great influence in terms of sound, I don't like people who tell me, "No, you can't do that. That's impossible." So I tend to work with people who have a documentary background.
4: Oh, sorry. Okay, oh,
3: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Chapter two. Um,
1: That's a wrap. No, uh, I mean, it's it's it is. You know, it's interesting that we we often come back to feeling the confidence with your team to to kind of take a chance and and and, and improvise. So I kind of want to dwell for a second, if we can. What was one of the more you know harrowing or <laughs> difficult experiences you've had on the most recent film you've made, where you just kind of had a fear, is this really going to work out? Um, you know, or a particular shot you were trying to make, where it's like, Ugh. and then it, it somehow came together. I, I also just want to mention that. Um, Sybil, uh, Justine Trier's film, has maybe the best s- sequences, I don't want even want to give it away, but uh, there are a lot of, there's, it part, Sybil is partly about uh, a, a film being made and a filmmaker who has an amazing reaction to a tough day on set. But anyway, see the film, um, and all these films, of course. Um, but yeah, tough days, where it seemed like it was all going to end. Is that inspired by something?
2: <laughs> I know. Uh, en fait en fait euh, oui oui c'est sûr je me suis amusé avec ça non c'est vrai que moi c'est le premier film que je faisais où il y avait des extérieurs j'avais tourné beaucoup en studio Yes
3: of course film. um I had a lot of fun with that. Um this was the first film that I made that had a lot of uh, outdoor uh, sequences shot in exteriors. Um my previous film there was a lot of uh, studio sequences. So I was extremely worried on this film with issues like the weather and so on, and it's true that I kind of accumulated problems by choosing to go and shoot on Stromboli. Um, It was the most expensive part of the shoot. We had very little time to use the sailboat that's in the film. And so this created a lot of crazy situations and I found that I had a taste for that. And I I kept being surprised by, by noticing that the more complicated situations I set up, the more wild things got. I started to notice that what was happening in the background uh, outside the actual what we were filming um, was really interesting and I was telling myself oh I should have written that you know people were having to go pee on the boat or were throwing up over the side of the boat and so it turned out that reality was really wilder than what was actually in the movie and I was telling myself oh I have to add that tomorrow (laughs) Uh, yeah,
1: the, the uh, you don't want to see how the sausage is made, I guess is the is the saying for that. Um, uh, Cornelio, do you have any any nightmarish stories from the making of uh, the, the Whistlers? Uh, where, I, I, for one thing, it's it's very complicated to have this whistling language. I guess that, was that always dubbed over later, or was that something you had in scene
6: or? No, the actors they uh, they learn how to whistle, you learn to whistle. okay uh, so that's a challenge
1: right there i
6: guess uh, we uh, they did classes long time before the shooting oh, so okay yeah. so that was no it was impossible to uh, mostly in the close-ups mm-hmm. i double after that uh, a few a few scenes but uh, it was difficult uh, if uh, yeah to uh, if they didn't knew that uh, on the close-ups, you could see that they didn't uh-huh. do, did it well, you know? Yeah. So from that, no. Uh, I have some scenes that I took out because of the budget, so I rewrite it in a most, uh, uh, yeah, cheap, <laughs> in, the in a cheapest way. In cheaper, <laughs> yeah. low-budget way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had a few scenes like that, and I think the most difficult it was the end of the film uh, that we shoot in... Uh, Oh, okay. Singapore, yeah, because right. we, we, uh, we had one night there, and each, there are two shows by night. Each show has 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to go through all the garden with the actor, and, mm-hmm. and that it was quite, uh, it was a little bit difficult, but we did it at the end, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't want to give away the sequence because it's a wonderful <laughs> sequence.
0: <laughs> the Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Now, this new a la carte digital service lets you watch new and classic films from the extensive Kino Lorber Library. Featuring films fresh from theaters like Rick Alverson's The Mountain starring Jeff Goldblum and Abel Ferrara's Pasolini starring Willem Dafoe, plus classics by Jean-Luc Godard, Lena Wertmuller, Andrei Tarkovsky, Ida Lupino, jean Jean and more, Kino Now has something for every kind of film fan with no subscription required. Start watching today at KinoNow.com.
1: Um, Pietro, any any problems that you had to had to overcome, or was there a
5: moment when you thought it was all not going to work out? At least for me, the adrenaline part of the film is the editing,
6: where ah, okay. I get
5: feel comfortable. But about the set is always can be nightmare all the time. For example, on the end of my film, I was without executive. I did organize everything for shoot for the shooting, and then I lost days for shooting just because. Mistake on uh, with with DOP for film negative. Always chaos. Then, what I mean about improvisation is, is, is important for me for to to be safe for to bring a charm to film. That's yeah. it. But I don't remember a film without problems. <laughs> old time problems. Yeah. Just because we we think that we can make seven hearts. It's not seven hearts because there is behind the economy, and then the economy decides for us.
1: Right. <laughs> I like that. I, I don't know a film without problems. Um, well, I want to make sure the audience has has questions. I'm sure there, there are many things you'd ask. Um, so if we, anyone has a question um, here in front.
7: Please. Ciao, Pietro, Italianissima. So one question. Uh, it was high time that somebody did uh, made a movie on Martin Eden. And I was wondering when your attraction to the character started, to this story started. So. If you can tell us when you know it clicked with you, and yes,
5: yes, I told already. It was about I was 20 years old, and then my screenwriter Maurizio Braucci, he gave to me this book, and said maybe you like this book. After 20 years, we decided to make Martin Eden together. This is the story of the film.
1: Actually, I'm curious. What was the inception for each of these films? I mean, well, Cornelia, for the Whistlers, I'm not sure I know what was the inception for the film, the origin, the
6: genesis. I saw um, the, uh, TV reportage about the island. Uh, yeah. uh, sat, uh, in this, in, in in this, they show a little bit about the whistling language and what mm-hmm. is about. And I start, to, I was curious, and I start to read about. And I went to the island, and I start to do research for that. So yeah. that was the starting point, like. Ten years ago, it was happening. Oh wow! I, uh, at that time, I just finished police adjective. You know, it was mm-hmm. right after that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I started. Uh, so for
1: so over the ten years, I'm just curious. You kind of held on to that idea, and then no, I I, uh,
6: I wrote some uh, uh, drafts that I didn't like it. I go back and forth to uh, with this subject all the time. I'm working when I'm doing a film. I had other project that I work in between. Mm-hmm uh one of them i um i uh, yeah i uh, i did it one of them i i didn't make it at the end mm-hmm. but uh, it's all the time like that i'm i have several projects and i uh, and with mm-hmm. this one i started to write after each movie that i made i start to write another draft i did i wasn't uh, yeah. i wasn't uh, i didn't like it so i i did another film i came back and
1: yeah um. Yeah, I guess it takes, takes a while sometimes. Um, and, all right, I made another question here in the second row.
8: Thanks, thank you, thank you. Okay, thanks, I'm really enjoying this talk. Uh, my question is just to jump off yours with the, with the Whistlers, going to the island, doing research, and then coming back to it again and again over a 10-year period until you started filming. Is that how the rest of you might work? Or do you get an idea, let it germinate, let's say for six months, and stay with that versus a 10-year stay?
6: I, I have project that I did it uh, right away. So it depends on the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my first film, for example, I saw a TV show. It's called 12 voices East of Bucharest. So I saw a TV show in my hometown and uh, uh, it was like a story that I, like a joke that I told it from time to time, but when I start to write it, I write it to the first draft, I write it like in one month, and uh, I start to shoot right away. So it depends on the subject, in fact.
4: Same with me. In my case. Yeah, Yeah. to piggyback on what you're saying, like a lot of times, I don't even know what it is I want to make, you know? Like, sometimes the idea or the subject finds me, right? You know, a lot of times we live in, we're in an industry where everything has to be, sometimes has to be so formalized. And sometimes you just don't know, right? So then, I allow the ideas to emerge. For example, the project that I have here now called Pelerino, they don't really care about us, it was from a residency that I got in Salvador Bahia, Salvador Bahia, Brazil. And um, I had this great opportunity to be there in this space that was familiar and unfamiliar. And I just, um, I just, uh, my my filmmaking practice has always been about this notion of triple consciousness, like what it's like to be foreign in a country outside of our own, right? What it's like to be foreign, and I, so the triple consciousness is based on um, uh, W. E. D. Bo- Bo- du Bois. He's a sociologist, a pan Africanist, who talks about what it's like to be black in America. And so I Google search. It was from a basic Google search, and I was like, Did W. E. B. Du Bois ever travel to? Brazil and I just Google search like the boys plus Brazil you know Mm -hmm. and I stumbled on this archive this letter that he wrote to the American embassy in Brazil in 1927 It the archive that letter that he wrote to 19 uh in 1927 became sort of the core or the center of the film that I produced in Brazil and I noticed that in that space not only am I, as a traveler outside of America, going to Brazil, for, you know, with this cultural privilege of shooting on my Super 8, with my Super 8 camera, shooting in Salvador, Bahia, but it's a site of slave history. It's a site where, um, you know, slaves were auctioned or whipped, and here I am with my Super 8 camera as a filmmaker of color, filming in this place in this colorful format, right, that I've inherited, in this analog format, right, and I, I, I use the letter that he wrote to the American Embassy in Brazil as sort of um, source of inspiration to produce. So a lot of times, you know, it's just sort of just allow, you know, Shakespeare talks about the world being a stage, right, and I feel like that's sort of the time and space in which we live in, And that, like, sometimes it's okay to just sort of be with our iPhones or Super 8, you know, Super 8 cameras or these formats that we've sort of Give us this ability to be creative, and um, I I think it's important that you know we you don't have to be um, uh, you can make a film out of anything, and I think that's sort of nice to have this opportunity to be here in this space and mm. and um, exhibit this work, um, yeah. but yeah I, yeah I I love
1: I just love the idea that it's kind of putting two ideas together the Du Bois and and the travel together and then you have this corresponding thing in history that you, you, you can go through. Um, so, uh, any other questions? Uh, here in the back, very back. Uh, for each of the panelists, how long did it take to raise the financing for your most recent film? And if you had any co-production partners, how many did you have? This might take a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, did everyone hear that? that about, Okay, just a question about funding, how long it took to, to fund the film, and maybe we can just start with that, if it's everyone answering, or what the process was for that. Pietro, how did you, how did you raise money to tell the story, of, tell Jack London's story? Yeah, but
5: Jack London was the first time for me to, 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 to have a good budget for make film, because the last movie I made was made without very low, low budget. It was a good time for me, because it was more simple to have <laughs> under control the film, also because I was a producer in that time. Today is a bit different about Martin Eden, because there was the necessity to make Martin Eden, mm-hmm. but uh, for some way I was lucky because I found a budget for making the film.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And then what I, I can say, when there are co-production, it, the, the, the budget is more big, it's, it can become more complicated to have under control the film mm, because you okay. should have a uh, relationship with the other uh, yeah. for to check money. But it's, that's that's, that's yeah. a cinema and then there, there are no alternative. If you want to make big film, a bigger film, yeah, more, uh, more solid uh, for budget, yeah. there is no way important yeah. to, to find the money right, right. Then to put it together to co-production. I was lucky also because inside the film there was also my distributor <laughs> and other friends. And then we, we made film and state of grace, anyway, on the economical part.
1: So money and luck. Money <laughs> money <laughs> and Good money. fortune. Um, Cornelio, how did you put, put, pull together the, the funding? What were so, the sources for uh, that?
6: Yeah, the financing, it was like three years. Uh, and the, the main, uh, we had uh, Romania, France, Germany. In Sweden, so four countries. Unfortunately, we didn't find in Spain. (laughs) Oh no! It's not like Canary Islands, but no. (laughs) No. So yeah, four countries, three years. Okay. And
1: Louise, do do you have? (laughs) What is that? Resigned
7: look. (laughs) Um, Well, it it was. um, It's one producer from Germany and Mm -hmm. me. And um it's a short so and it I took know. us it didn't take a long time. I don't know. <laughs> we had two um fundings and I don't know, three months, four months? I have no idea.
4: Everything's self financed. I yeah, I don't have any money. It's yeah, it is yeah. what it is. You just yeah. sort of have to work with what's available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's sort of by any means necessary.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Justine <laughs> It was
3: complicated for us because uh, we had dates that were imposed by the actors availability. We had to shoot at a specific moment because after that the actors weren't going to be available Available so we had no choice but to find the money by by a certain time before those dates And and ultimately there was still money missing at the end of production and so then we found other people Marion luciani and jacquardia who also has a production company to Put in some additional funds, but we had to cut a lot and and do a lot of things to, to try to th- figure out this budget. Um, I think that Belgium was a co-producer, and then I'm not sure about one other country. I can't remember whether or not um, our request was accepted. But again, it was very complicated because of the timing. We basically had one year to raise the funds, and after that, our actors were no longer going to be available. Mm.
6: Interesting.
0: Thank you. Um, I think when you come to uh, creating something, it's really hard to define like when is this thing actually complete. So my question is, as for filmmaking, when you're making your film, when do you actually feel that it's ready to be shown to the audience?
1: That's an interesting question. Do they have to grab it out of your hands? <laughs> Petro when, when are you done
5: with the film do you I mean you were both producer and director so this could have gone on for a while <laughs> yeah but I, I'm producer for necessity for necessity yeah. just for necessity for me it's impossible somebody should come yeah and, <laughs> uh, take off yeah. yeah it's complicated because I can I, I bring with me many films not only only one and then I would like uh, re-editing all my movies then for me it's impossible what what is important for me is is to leave the film, because when it's finished, it's not on the on my hand anymore,
7: mm.
5: and it's complicated for me to have judgment about what what I did, yeah. what I do, yeah. and then you know is is always on my on my my brain, always there. I, I still still carry on inside me.
1: Yeah. Right. At some point, you have to say the end. That um, is
5: that is complicated to yeah. say is the, the end. Yeah. The wish of us is, is, is to carry on with the film.
1: Yeah, yeah, continue, yeah, and uh, we'll just I guess, proceed. If you, Cornelio, how do you know <laughs> what the end is? When do you have the end?
6: Uh, pff, quite, and I don't have this question. You know, I make it, and I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, and I I don't look back. I don't like to see my films. You know. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't uh, rewatch them in time. No, it's uh, i feel it it's is the moment i'm i'm doing my best uh, each movie that i'm making at that point i said it's the best that i could do and uh, uh it will start i start work on, yeah. on uh, the next one Let's move on
1: to the next one yeah, yeah. Lu- 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 louis yeah. how, how do you
6: know it's
7: done yeah um well it's it's a mixture, I guess. I mean, with uh, with that, with the short entire days together that is shown here, I um, I gave myself the luxury to really finish it before showing it to anybody, which is which is a luxury, I guess, um, and uh, which means like really, really finished um, everything, the color correction and sound design and everything. Um, and um, when for me. Which is, I guess, the interesting point is the, the picture lock, which is somehow the point where the director not leaves the film but is like somehow giving it into, or at least when you're editing yourself. I'm, I'm editing mm-hmm. myself. So that's the point when I give the movie back to like a crowd. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and that is, I don't know, it's not, um, yeah, it's something, it's not. It's somehow a relief, also, but it's also um, like some kind of yeah. I I can't. I checked out all the opportunities. Let's mm. say. I mean, I'm really yeah. sure that I, it's it's the best what what I can get out of the material. But. Mm. Um, um, yeah, and maybe it's only because yeah, you want to go on. I don't know it's 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 like different influences that, yeah. um and then it becomes easier again. I mean, I really love the moment when the editing is done, and then you go to the sound design and and uh, and the uh, color correction with it, which is which I really enjoy a lot because yeah. it makes the movie so much more beautiful and and, and more haptic haptical I don't know how you say Mm -hmm. that and yeah and then it Mm -hmm. becomes
4: um, easier again
1: yeah (laughs) you can breathe a sigh (laughs) (laughs) um
4: when you know when a film is completed um (sighs) I think that you know I like to work alone um now my filmmaking process um in terms of like shooting it took me a long time to build that confidence in myself and and just shooting alone. When I'm making my narrative films, I work in collaboration with you know a bigger crew. But when I'm working with my experimental films, I like to just work completely alone. <laughs> I don't want to, have to deal with you know everyone, and I could just be myself. And a, and um, so sometimes I I re, the duration of time you know cannot be like I it's it's really not fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, but I do shoot. Um, and once it's edited uh, silently with my editor, then I go in separately with my sound designer, and have I have a different relationship with my editor mm. than I have with my sound designer. You know, mm. it's sort of yeah. like a different um, sort of uh, relationship, but they do sort of um, uh, work together or to sort of um, create that sort of rhythm or experience. Um, and um, I'm really interested in sort of having the viewer have this sort of Carnivalesque experience where, when they're watching the film, the same vibe or same feeling that I had when I was shooting it, that excitement that I had, uh-huh. whatever, what, you know, the subject matter that is important to me or that's exciting, I, I hope that, you know, I can sort of convey that yeah. with the audience. And a lot of the times, um, yeah, I, I can't really say that it's sort of a fixed, fixed thing. Moment, yeah because it's not every film has its own sort of duration or time. Yeah. Um, the film that I have here specifically, um, it really just took me a few months to produce, and, and it was done. I didn't look at it again. It yeah. was, like, once it was final cut and the sound was done, I, it was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then uh, Justine. Oh, I guess there's also the kind of uh, the festival factor It also comes in. Sometimes that's like a, a deadline that looms as well.
3: Uh, but Justine.
2: No, moi j'ai, j'ai du mal à répondre à cette question parce que je, je sais que si je peux le remonter j'ai tout le temps It's envie hard de to answer
3: that question because uh, if I know that I can re-edit the film I always will re-edit uh, editing is a is a period that I don't particularly like um, it takes me a really long time and I wish that it could be shorter but I have this obsession with re-editing and actually I don't really think that there is an ideal time uh, when the film is finished I think if I had more time, then I would continue editing and it would be a different film. I don't believe in this idea of the perfect time. If I had two weeks more, then I would continue and there would be changes and it would be a different film.
1: All right. Uh, we're, we're almost at our own end here, but we have time for one more question. Um, go in the front row here. Actually, I'll, 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 I'll take Cornelio's lead here.
5: Hey, the last question, on the, you know, is, uh, may I use the, the, the my friend in Italian because I am Italian. Okay, no, c'è una un aneddoto quando si uh, gira che praticamente dice facciamo il dettaglio dello sperone.
8: I uh, I'll speak in the first person. Uh, I'm a I'm myself a f- filmmaker, and in Italy when we say cinema, we when I was growing up at least we had a very specific idea about a movie being shown in a movie theater. Uh, through a projector with a projectionist, uh, with tickets being bought, and the films were shown either in first release, second release, third release, or even in the parishes where you had like a theater right next to the church. Um, So it had a very specific and maybe a very simple meaning. Um, Nowadays, uh, when you say the word cinema, or maybe movies if you prefer that word, uh, what comes to mind, what do you mean? Because I know certain directors, for example, who say that I'm a director, I've made A film but it's not being shown in any of the theaters or I'm a director I've made a film and it's being shown maybe at various festivals here and there but it's not appearing in the movie theaters so when you hear the word cinema today what does that make you think
1: we'll start we're ending with an easy one I guess
6: Uh, the last question question. no it's it's the, it's the the theater for me it's also the theater the i'm not so young <laughs> so i was growing <laughs> i uh, i saw a lot of movies in uh, in uh, in theaters and i'm i'm still trying to go and uh and afterwards i i, I won't make this difference between festivals and because festivals are at the end of the day they are uh, uh, uh they are um, they help in in a way a movie to go to to arrive at the end of the day in the theaters. So it's another it's another system of uh, showing films and uh, it's another kind of distribution, which ideal ideal in the end uh, helps helps the film to to have a, a release you know in, in in other theaters.
1: Anyone else want to weigh in on? I guess you could also call this the streaming question if you <laughs> wanted
6: to. <laughs> <laughs>
7: um When I think about cinema, I also think about the theater, but um as I live in a country where not which is called Germany, where not all the films I would like to see in cinemas are shown in the cinema, I also have to um, think it a little bit broader <laughs> and this which means that I also uh, watch films that I would prefer to watch in cinema i Watch um, at home, so. Um, but actually, it's uh, the idea of an appointment <laughs> with the community to um, start at a certain time and watch a film together, which is not guaranteed.
4: Today. Yeah. To pick back on what you're saying, you know, um, the cinema-going culture in, in terms of like West Africa or in Ghana specifically, you know, with yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, new modern technology and that sort of thing. I sort of miss that communal aspect of filmmaking or be watching a film in you know an open air setting. And um, I think that's sort of or you know storytelling and being able to experience that with with others and and um, For me, I think it's really important to sort of um, revive um, the sort of communal aspect of cinemas because cinema going culture in general is dying, not just on the continent, but all over the world. You know, cinemas, um, the idea of the cinema space is, is something that I think about a lot too because when you're producing the film and you're t- thinking about exhibition, like you're saying like distribution, uh, whether it's going to be online or if it's going to be in a cinema space or in a museum space, et cetera, these are things that um, um, are constantly evolving and constantly changing with the time. And um, you know I, I, for me, I don't really quite think about the end result. Like you know I sort of just make the film and what's amazing is that sometimes the film itself, whether it's a fiction or an experimental film, can transcend the um, exhibition space. Right. I, right. I, I, that's something that I'm, I'm sort of thinking about, too. Like how one film, even if it's a feature or a short, et cetera, that it can show in multiple spaces in this time. And, and yeah. that's it's not like uh something that's a negative it's actually something that can also be a positive as well
1: right it's it can't be all or nothing for yeah you,
2: yeah je sais pas quoi dire en j'ai compris la question à peu près mais j'ai pas en fait je comprends pas bien en fait
1: i guess you know cinema can live in di- cinema can live in different spaces on screens or in yeah. theaters and mm-hmm. i guess we we basically it's a loyalty test to to <laughs> the theater that's but no i'm kidding <laughs>
2: Oui, c'est vrai que moi j'ai l'âge d'avoir été fascinée par le cinéma, enfin, j'ai eu, j'ai, j'étais à la période en fait quand j'étais jeune étudiante. Well, I'm old
3: enough to have been fascinated by the experience of film in the movie theater. When I was a, a young student in Paris, there was still this magic of not being able to rewind. And that was like a sacred experience. You had to remember what you saw. And then you took the time to talk about what you saw. And that time was nearly longer than actually watching the film. And it, it took up space and you couldn't go back to your home and rewatch the film alone and that's something that really moves me and that perhaps we're losing now with all the different platforms that we have to watch but on the other hand, I don't want to necessarily put cinema versus the platforms I think that you can find cinema in things that are done very easily everything can exist I think it really depends on the gaze that you have so I don't want to lay down any laws Um, but I do think that this myth of the film that you can't see again that you have to talk about that you have to say do you remember that part or you don't remember that's something that we're losing a little bit and that was really extraordinary
5: mm. and yeah sure uh, the wish of all uh, filmmaker is to bring on the theater the film but i think we have big responsibility about this because cinema got to disappear yeah. the theater got to disappear and we should be shame about this uh-huh. very shame about this just because T- only moment, every moment, a theater disappears everywhere on the world. And then we don't think about this. We think to make film, to sell film, to do this, but without seeing that everything disappear. It's, 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 I think this is the point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, cinema is alive and well here at yeah. Film at Lincoln Center, the New here. York Film Festival. <laughs> so I encourage you to see all of these filmmakers' films. Uh, of the program. And thank you to all of our filmmakers.
0: The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Now. This new a la carte digital service lets you watch contemporary art house and classic films from the extensive Kino Lorber Library, including over 50 New York Film Festival alums. Start watching today at KinoNow.com.
1: or check out our app available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.